Cool. Well, I'm excited. We're into a new series. It's called Owner Operator. And it's, uh, it's about, really, I don't want to steal my standard, but it's about stewardship. It's about what we do with what God has given us. And I know that Maya has got a great word for us around how we steward our own life. So I'll invite her up now. Let's be encouraging as she brings a word this morning. doing? Oh, you're a good looking, you're a good looking bunch of people. You are smiling even, even better. So last year, our third daughter, Tessa, started school. And starting school is a joyous moment in every parent's life. It's a little bit bittersweet, but mostly it's joyous. And it's, it's interesting as well, like if you've, um, like Nathan and Rebecca, Annabelle just started school, and you, you go into this environment and you're like, huh, this is kind of not quite like what I remember it, because I remember school being a lot more boring um, when you're little. But new entrance is kind of like this halfway house between preschool and proper school, and well, at least it is at the school that my kids go to. And uh, a lot of like, you think, oh, there's three hours, come on, let's hit it. But actually, when you're a new entrance, it's a lot about self-management skills. And Tessa had quite good self-management skills, apparently, probably because she's a third child, and so we just, sorry, I'm not doing that for you, darling. But self-management skills and new entrants, they look like things like, can you take your jersey off by yourself? Can you open your own yogurt? Can you take yourself to the toilet? Can you blow your own nose? Yeah, the bar's pretty low, eh? Who's feeling like they might have passed? They've got good self-management skills? Yeah, congratulations. Unfortunately, as you grow older for an adult, the standard's a little bit higher. It's a little bit higher. But self-management is actually this incredibly biblical idea. Like Dave talked about the, the Christian age term is stewardship, which is not a great word, but it's, it's like up there with fellowship, really, and like, uh, what does that mean? But stewarding, it's how you handle stuff. But what I'm talking about today is not so much how you handle stuff, you know, your money, your relationships, whatever. Dave's going to talk about those things. But how you manage yourself, you, your very self. So if you wanted a title for this message, it would be Managing Me. Because the thing is, you don't actually belong to you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If you're a Christian here today, you don't actually belong to yourself anymore. And where the world loves to talk about rights, the Bible talks about responsibilities. And that sounds really boring, doesn't it? Yeah? Responsibilities. It sounds a bit like a God who doesn't want you to have a whole lot of fun. A God who wants to like, kind of live you like a, strain, an, a constrained life, you know, living up to all these burdensome rules. And, and, but that's not the God I know. Like, that's not the God of grace. That's not the God of love and, you know, kind of the stuff we've just been singing about. So how does that, how does that work? How does this whole, like, responsibility, I don't belong to myself, stuff fit with this idea of, of God? So today we're gonna, I'm going to talk about, open up some stuff about how this God of grace gets us to grow into being good managers of ourselves and what that, that, that leads to. And my prayer today is that some of this truth is going to really help you to break through in some areas of your life. And I'm really believing that's going to happen today. 
So let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you that you, you take us as we are and you love us as we are, but God, you don't leave us as we are. And God, I ask that today you would open our hearts to, to hear your word. That would, you would open our hearts to hear precisely what it is that you, Holy Spirit, want to say to each one of us, that we would be able to take that on board and it would change us from the inside out, God, that we can live the kind of lives that you have always dreamed for us because we know that they are good. Amen. So the reality is that you and I have responsibilities whether we like it or not. It's just the way it is. I have to look after myself because no one else is going to do it for me. Now Ida, our youngest, is eight months old. She's not very good at taking care of herself. Like probably her only self-care skill, yeah, her only one really, is that if you place a bit of food in front of her, she can pick it up and put it in her mouth and eat it. And she's not always very successful at this. She might drop it. She might bite her own fingers. The, um, the food might fall out of her mouth because she forgets to close her lips as she's, like, chewing it. So she's not, you know, not so skilled in the whole self-care. But as you grow, your personal responsibilities increase. And it's just the way it is. There's no point fighting against it. It's one of those realities of life you just got to surrender to. It's like trying to pretend that it's still summer when it's actually winter now. It is winter. And Richie's wearing shorts. I don't know. Have you got, like, really hairy legs to insulate? What the heck? I haven't worn shorts since January. You're crazy. But there's, like, there's no point fighting against it. Like, you're not going to win, so just go with it. Like, you've... sorry. Put the jersey on, children. Yeah. So you've got responsibilities, and when you live in light of those responsibilities, we make good choices. But when I mean good choices, I don't mean just like, that's a good choice, darling, not hitting your sister. I mean choices that are good for you. Good choices are good for you. In um, his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes a bit about this. Uh, chapter 10, verse 23, he says, I have the, um, he's putting words in their mouth. You say, I've got the right to do anything. But well, not everything is beneficial. I've got the right to do anything. Well, but not everything is constructive. A bit earlier he says, well, yes, it's true that our freedom allows us to do anything. But that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. I'm free to do as I choose, but I choose to never be enslaved to anything. Because actually living a life where you're doing whatever you want can be slavery. Or you think you're free. I can do whatever I want. Actually, that's not a free life. That can be a life in slavery. Because actually, I don't want to live a life just doing whatever takes my fancy. Well, that looks appealing. I'll go do it. Oh, that's tempting. Yeah, we'll try that. No, no, I want to live a life that's whole. It's free. Full of joy and peace where I'm getting significance. I'm living wholeheartedly. That's the kind of life I want to live. Yeah? It's the kind of life you want to live. And doing that means saying no to some things, however appealing they might be. And getting to that life means saying yes to other things, however much determination it might require of me to work that out. But that is what's going to take me to living a free life because living with the responsibility releases freedom. Living with responsibility releases freedom. It doesn't constrain you. 
it's not a life of responsibilities that's going to keep me more small and mean I can never do what I want. Actually, it's going to release freedom into my life. It's freedom because it leads me into that good life where I'm not living as a slave to my addictions, I'm not a slave to my appetites, not a slave to my anxieties. I can live free of those things. And there's also the truth that the responsibilities that God puts on you or asks of you, they're not heavy, they're not ill-fitting. Matthew 11.30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he says. Now that's quite a complicated metaphor, so I quite like what the Passion Translation says. We got those scriptures? It says, for all that I require of you, this is God talking to you, all that God requires of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. I am really challenged by that, because that's not who I thought God was. But that's what his word says, so maybe, maybe it's this needs to change. Yes, it's going to require some training. Yes, it's going to require some growing up, challenging yourself on some stuff, but that is good. That is good things. You want to grow up into that stuff. I do not want to still be changing Ida's nappy when she is 18, not eight months. And I'm hoping that's where we're going. It's looking, oh, gee, oh, yeah. Ooh. The world around us says the ideal is absol- just to absolve responsibility as much as you can. Because you want to be living free. You don't want to be constrained by people and all of that kind of stuff. Pass, pass the buck. Blame others, even. But doing that actually doesn't get you anywhere. And this is a key idea that it's, it's really been impacting me recently, that we often believe that the stuff external to us controls us. So whether it's other people, it's these circumstances. I'm feeling like this because of what he did. If this would only change, if they would stop expecting this from me, then I would feel better. I can't control that stuff out there. I can't control what other people are going to do. I can't control a whole lot of circumstances in my life. And so you can feel trapped, thinking I'm always going to feel this way because he is not changing. I'm always going to feel this way and, and never be able to do what I want because this circumstance isn't changing. But those things out there aren't your responsibility. Your only responsibility is yourself. But you can actually change how all of that stuff affects you. You can control your response to that situation. You can control how you feel. Nothing makes you feel a certain way. Nothing makes you feel a certain way. It's not, it's not like this happens, I've got to feel like this. There's actually a whole lot of stuff in between that determines how you feel about it. I was just thinking this morning about, um, there's a, a story in the Bible where Jesus is in the boat. He goes in boats a lot, so there's a few of these stories. And in one of them, it's a really bad storm. And Jesus is asleep, not because he's naive, not because he's like, oh my goodness, I'm just passed out with fear, <laughs> I don't know. He's asleep because he's so secure in the Father's love. The same situation, everybody is in the one boat, they're in the same storm. Jesus is actually the least experienced fisherman amongst them, but he's the one who's sleeping. How the storm is making him feel, well, he's in control of that. Because that's, wow, whoa, I'm challenged by that. But being able to control it, actually, it changes everything. You can't change the circumstances, perhaps. Maybe you can't change those people and what they're going to do, but you can control yourself, and that changes everything. Everything. 
And another incredible idea about how responsibility releases freedom is that when we are all living up to our responsibilities, everyone's rights are protected. If I'm living up to my responsibilities in the world, if everyone was doing that, everyone else's rights would be protected. But when we're going so hard to protect my rights and my rights and my rights, it kind of like just erodes and it erodes and it destructs breakdown in relationship and community. So living with responsibility releases freedom. But what does living with responsibility look like? What's the stuff? Well, Dave's going to talk, um, Pastor Dave's going to talk over the next few weeks about a few different aspects. We'll talk about um, managing your calling, managing your relationships, managing your money, all of that kind of stuff. And there's lots of things that I could talk about under this banner of managing yourself. We could talk about time. Time is your biggest asset. We could talk about managing your body, you know, stuff about food and exercise and sleep and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to get specific on that thing today because I actually don't know your particular issues. I don't know that, you know, so-and-so needs to work on time management and this person here is not taking care of their body and this person just needs to go to bed earlier. I don't, the Holy Spirit can talk to you about that stuff. But I'm going to go to the heart of some things. But one really key idea is that everything drifts to chaos unless we're intentional. Everything drifts to chaos unless we're intentional. If as a family, at the end of each evening, we didn't tidy up our house, it would drift to chaos. Like, just imagine. It's amazing what could happen over a whole day when the kids are at home. It's incredible. But if we didn't do that every day, I could just imagine mountains of, like, toys and discarded clothes and black socks and just hair, hair ties, hair ties everywhere. It just goes that way. It's like a natural thing in the universe. I think it must be the part of the broken creation. But you've got to be intentional. We've got to be intentional. Hey, guys, we're going to tidy up now. Every Saturday, well, we didn't really do it this Saturday. Maybe we're doing it Monday. I don't know. We do chores as a family, and we make Rosebrook great again. That's what we say to ourselves. <laughs> Team Whitaker, we make Rose look great again. And it's got to happen. You've got to be intentional about it. Because no one ever did chores without intending it. So what are some of the stuff in your life that you need to be intentional about doing so that everything doesn't drift to chaos in your personal world? And 2 Timothy, um, this, is a, this is a great thought. Okay, so tip, um, Paul, who's writing a letter to Timothy, who's like a, um, kind of like a son to him. And he talks about some ideas around this. And he says, a soldier on duty doesn't get caught up making deals at the marketplace. He concentrates on carrying out orders. An athlete who refuses to play by the rules will never get anywhere. It's the diligent farmer who gets the produce. Think it over. God will make it all plain. I love how he's just like, I'm just going to drop these metaphors and not really explain anything. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but just think it over. God will make it plain. It's kind of a slightly lazy prep there. Just, I'm going to stop now. Just think it over. Just, we're just going to think for a bit. God will make it plain. But when you, when you dig into this a bit more, it's oh, some powerful stuff. Let's think about the farmer. Okay, So the agrarian farmer. He takes a seed. She takes a seed and she plants it in the ground. And something grows and get a harvest of whatever it is, the seed you've sowed. But the seed is pretty small. It's pretty insignificant, isn't it? And she sows it now, and she reaps a harvest later. 
The, fa the farmer does the seemingly insignificant now to reap the reward later. Let's think about the athlete. It's, the, it's competition day. It's not like, oh, oh, I'm doing a long jump and I'm just going to try really hard to jump really far. And I'm just going to try my hardest and I'm going to see it. And whoa, I just got a gold medal because I tried so hard. My kids think that's how it works. Every single time they've had like their first sports day at school, they just don't get how they did not win the sprint. But I tried my hardest. Why don't, why don't I win? They just don't get it. And we're like, actually, there's like natural talent and there's like practice and all that kind of stuff. The athlete jumps the longest because he or she did the training. He or she went to the gym, did the stuff that athletes do. I wouldn't know, I'm not an athlete. The athlete does the painful now to reap the reward later. Because I have a feeling that doing that stuff that those athletes do isn't actually all that pleasant all the time. But it's what's got to be done so that on competition day, you can shine. Now, the soldier, this is an interesting one because the, sol the, the way it is designed, a soldier's training, is that they train hard so they can fight easy. You do all the stuff in training so that when you get into the heat of battle, you don't have to think. It's automatic. I don't have to think about how I'm going to shoot my gun or how I'm going to actually just do what my commanding officer says or, or again, all of those stuff, that whatever they do. They do the training, the discipline, the habits of mind, the habits of body now to reap the reward later. And it's that repetition of the discipline that makes the arduous automatic. So that when they're in the, the hard time, when the fight and the heat of battle, they just do it. And it's all due to the training that they did earlier. Train hard to fight easy. Doing the small, the seemingly insignificant, doing the painful, and doing those habits of discipline are a gift to yourself for later. Discipline is the gift that you give yourself. It's a gift you give yourself for later. I like gifts right now. For later. And you can apply all of this stuff to managing your health, managing your finances, managing your relationships, everything. So much stuff that we could talk about. But again, let the Holy Spirit talk to you about what you've got to well, he, he knows you. I don't know you, but he knows you. But there's the number one thing that we need to attend to is managing our inner world. And by that, I mean our thoughts, our emotions, all of that kind of stuff, our inner world. Because like I said before, that's the stuff that you can control. Because I'm not here to talk to you about changing some behaviors. Hey, here's a whole lot of new habits you can adopt. Here's some life hacks. Thinking, I love a life hack because I think it's going to change everything. But darn it, I'm still the same person, even though I know this little life hack. That's, that's not what it's about, because the gospel is not a self-improvement program. The gospel will improve your life, but it's not a self-improvement program where you're like, okay, just do these things, and, and then I'm, I'm going to be good. But hmm, it changes you from the inside, and it's that underlying motivation 
the foundation that is, is so crucial here. Because too often the church has taught responsibilities as rules. They're not rules, they're responsibilities. But as humans, we love making laws out of things. We love it. It's just like part of the deep brokenness of the human nature. We make laws out of what we're supposed to give life. It's, and it's amazing because the same behavior can be motivated by law or by life. But I'll do the same thing. But how, what in my heart it is that's spurring that can be different. And that fundamental difference between the law that shames me versus the life that frees me is incredibly important. And that's why a person can be living a life where they look like they're killing it. They are just doing all of their awesome stuff. But the underlying motivation is unhealthy. And it, it, it eats away at you. And it doesn't last. And it doesn't see you through the hard times. And eventually you crack. So let's think about some things. Like, for example, going for a run. I was going to go for a run yesterday. Today. <laughs> My motivation could be shame. It could be, come on, Maya, you've got to go for a run. You've been lazy. Your Strava feed is, like, barren. And that whole, like, I just had a baby excuse. It's kind of running out now. Oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'll go for a run. I might go for the run, but the, oh, shame. Or I could think differently. I want to be healthier. Actually, I know how good I feel after I go for a run. I'm going to go for a run. Same behavior, different motivation. Maybe it's when I'm coming to, like, you finish a series on Netflix and you've got to choose another one. You know, it's quite a big thing. Why do you laugh? A few people are laughing at their partners here. <laughs> I, I watched a lot of Netflix when Ida was little because you've got a smartphone and you can watch it on your phone like at 3 a.m. and it makes it not so bad. And I watched a lot. And then I was like, okay, I've got to choose ones. I've got to choose ones that Dave doesn't want to watch. And then some of them go, oh, yeah, I'll try that. Oh, maybe not that one. And I could be motivated by shame. Oh, you, you shouldn't watch that. That's not... People knew that you were watching that, like... You're a pastor. You, ca you can't watch that. Don't. Mm, not a good idea. I started watching one called, uh, what was it called? How to Get Away with Murder. I thought maybe the title was a metaphor. Not a metaphor. There's actually murder. And so I stopped watching it. But then the kids like, were on watching Netflix, and it has like recently thing. Ruby was like, Mum, did you watch something called How to Get Away with Murder? I was like, I started watching it, but I stopped. I could be motivated by shame. And what I'm choosing, oh, you can't watch that. What if people knew? Because they will find out. <laughs> or I could think differently. Actually, this makes me feel a bit yuck. Yeah, it's a little bit tempting, but uh, I don't think it's going to make me who, the kind of person I want to be. So no, I'm not going to watch that. What I say no to, what I say yes to, can be determined by the law that shames or the life that frees. And shame is a terrible motivator. Shame is a terrible motivator, and far too often the church has dealt in shame because humans love law. We just love it. We love to condemn ourselves and condemn other people and judge on stuff, but that's not how God works at all. Not at all. But in our inner world, we can be living a life that's free, flowing out of a, of a healthy motivation. And that's what I want to speak to today. Because focusing on behavior is not enough. 
I could stand here and say, hey, you should all go for get exercise, whatever that looks like for you. You should all be careful about what you watch on Netflix because, you know, the stuff that goes in makes who you are and determines what comes out. It's all true. But I want you guys to be motivated to make good choices out of, of knowing you're loved, out of wanting to live free, not out of shame. It's our inner world that we need to be the most careful to manage. Everything flows out of your inner world. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Well, the NLT says it determines the course of your life. Everything flows out of it. So don't just attend to everything, attend to the heart. And this year, God has taken me on a great journey of attending to some stuff in my heart. I just, you know, like it, it's been hard, but it's been so powerful. And I've, I've had moments of realization where I thought it was that thing that was making me feel like that, but actually it's me. And I got to a point a few months ago saying to Dave, life was so much easier when I could blame how I was feeling on other people. So much easier. But, oh, it's actually me. <laughs> ah, but we was making progress. Getting there. We're getting there. But what is, it, what is that, that stuff, the farmer, the athlete, the soldier? What does that look like in my inner world? Okay, so the seemingly small. Addressing thought patterns that are unhealthy. They might not seem like a big deal. But sometimes, you know, do you, get, do you catch yourself sometimes thinking, hang on a moment, is that, is that true? That, that, that thought I just had? And then you dig it a bit more and you're like, actually, whoa, this is a big thing underneath everything. Those, those thought patterns might not seem like a big deal, but they can keep you trapped. They can keep you trapped. They're seemingly small, but they, oh, everything flows out of it. The painful, that can be the difficult discussion, the awkward conversation. Going um, Earlier in this year, Dave talked about um, going on a journey of ruthless self-discovery. And I've really been on a journey of ruthless self-discovery this year. And it's fantastic, but it's been really painful. It'd be much nicer if we just keep that stuff stuffed down. Can we just keep it down there? Because, yeah, like it was a little bit ugly and it was overflowing and to other areas of my life, but I didn't have to deal with it. But then God says, okay, actually, we're going to open up the box. We're going to look in here and you're like, oh, that's bad. Can we not close the box again, God, and just get on with getting stuff done and feeling good because we're getting some stuff done? Because, no, actually, we're going to go into that. Sometimes inviting the Holy Spirit into an area of your life where you've, sh you've shut off from him is really painful but it's good, and it is a reward to you. It is a gift to yourself when you invite him in to another space in your life. The habits of discipline, well, this is kind of more obvious. It's the stuff like just going to church, getting in a space where you can encounter God regularly, making sure you're at e-group and you're engaged, having regular conversations with God, reading your Bible, making sure you've got relationships where you can be real, all of that kind of stuff is a gift to yourself. It, it trains you. It is a gift to yourself when you do that stuff. And so often we're like, oh, why do they expect me to do those things? And reading my Bible is so hard or whatever. It's a gift. You're giving yourself. How good is that? But the best way to improve your inner world is to invite Jesus in. That's the best way. I'm going to invite Amanda up. Because self-stewardship, this idea of managing me, is primarily about letting God change us from the inside 
out. It's not about going, okay, well, now that I'm a Christian, I've got to do X, Y, Z and not do ABC. It's letting Jesus change you from the inside out. He knows what needs work. He actually knows you. He knows your heart better than you know yourself. You thought you just needed to make some tweaks to your diet, you know, control your eating. Well, he knows that actually what he wants to address is why are you going to food for comfort instead of God? I thought what needed to change is just some wee tweaks, you know, in my home life routine and getting up a bit earlier so that I'm not so stressed. Well, actually, he knows that he, what he wants to address is actually this thing where I've got to feel like I'm under pressure to feel like I'm okay, so I'm just going to make more pressure and make sure every situation feels pressured because then I'm a good person. Oh, and I just wanted some more life hacks to help my family run better. He knows what you need. And when you invite him in, you say, okay, work on me. He knows the best timing. He knows what you're ready to work on. He knows what you can take. He knows the pace to take it at. He knows the best method. Sometimes we think, oh, yeah, okay, so I'm aware of this thing that's got to, we've got to work on this. Okay, I'm just going to work on that. Me, just me. I'm going to work on that in my bubble here. And God actually knows that you need to invite people into that space. I feel like this is a powerful word. You know who you are this morning, who this word is for you. I'm not going to say your name. You've been trying to work on stuff by yourself and you are not going to get there. You are going to stay trapped. You need to invite people into your world and say, I need help with this and this is scary and I I don't think I can handle this by myself. But those people are going to love you and they are not going to judge you. You've been so busy judging yourself that you think everyone else is going to judge you. But actually, they're just wanting, you know, choose some safe people. But God wants to use some people to help you grow and help heal those things in your heart. He does it in love. And that's the key. I mean, we're just loving this morning, just spending time thinking about His love. God doesn't, um, I read this, this great scripture the other day. Uh, just, a, just a tidbit from Psalm 119. It said, your hands have fashioned me. Your hands shape me. When God wants you to grow up into your responsibilities, he doesn't say, okay, here's your uh, performance review. Could you please work on those things? We'll check in in six months. Off you go. It's not what he does. He doesn't even say, um, Pastor Dave, this person needs to work on some things, so could you just maybe have some counselling and prayer time and maybe this e-group study would be really good. Could you just go off you go, you do that, and we'll check it in six months' time. That's not what God does with you. He gets you up close. He shapes you with his very own hands. It's so close. It's so intimate. He doesn't even use a tool to shape you. He uses his hands. He hasn't even put gloves on. He doesn't care about getting his hands dirty in the mess of your life. He wants to do it up close because he has plan and intention and love over you. And he's with you in the painful. He's with you in the repetitions. He's with you in the small. And he wants to shape you up close and near. But he can't shape you when you're holding him at arm's length. 
He can't shape you when you are holding him at arm's length. So I want to give us a moment today to respond. Why don't we all stand? Because no one is above this. Let's take some time. Oh, Holy Spirit. Sometimes I am so aware of my own failings that I get preoccupied with it. Lord, and we think of all the ways that we don't measure up and maybe if I just try harder, then you will approve of me and others will approve of me and I will approve of myself. But that is not what you say to me. You speak your truth. You say, I love you, my child. Oh, come into my arms and I want better for you. I want, I want to see you living a life that's free, not enslaved to your anxieties, your addictions, your appetites. I want to see you living free. So come and let me shape you. And Holy Spirit, in this moment, we surrender to your embrace. We invite you deeper. I really want to encourage you. Perhaps you are aware that there is an area of your life where you haven't let him in. Like a room in your house. You've said, hey, Jesus, come on to the lounge. You're a guest. But there's this guest room out the back where you keep all of your crap. And you have not dusted it. And no one goes in there. I want to encourage you, today is the day when you can open that door a bit and say, Jesus, would you come in here? Because I know it's a mess and I can't fix it myself. Lord, speak to us of your love for us. Let's just take some time in this space.
Father, it, it amazes us. Lord, that you see all of us, God, and you know us so well, but you love us still. And God, in this space, we invite you in. Lord, we invite you even into the places of our lives which are the messiest, the places that we're still ashamed of, the, the habits and the, the thought patterns and the, the words we've whispered in the night. We invite you into that space. Holy Spirit, take your time with us. Shape us. Because God, we want to live lives that are free. Lives of joy and peace and significance. We want to live loved, God, but we need you to speak to us about how much we're loved. And we invite you to take us on a journey of growing up anew, of learning to manage ourselves, manage the stuff that is within our control so that we can live free. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to each one of us about what are the things that you want to attend to in our life? What are the things that you want to shape in us? Lord, what are the thought patterns that we need to address? What are the, what's at the root of some of those behaviors that we just keep on struggling with again and again? Lord, break down the stony parts in our heart towards you and our heart toward others. And, and Father, I really ask that for those of us who struggle to be vulnerable before others, that this week you would help us to take a risk and reach out to a person, to reach out to our e-group and say, I'm struggling with this. Can you guys help me? God, help us today to take a risk. I thank you that you love us, God, and that you, you draw us to yourself. And God, we don't want to hold you at arm's length anymore. Amen. You can open your eyes, but just stay standing with me. Perhaps you're here today and this, this, all this idea of talking about God's love is, why, what? He loves me? He, he knows me? He wants relationship with me? You'd, you'd say, oh, I'm not a Christian yet, but I want to become a Christian. And you want to respond to him this morning. Or perhaps there's a second category of, of person where you've walked with God in the past, but really when you look at your life, as it has been recently, that's not where you're at and you want to recommit your life to him today. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. So we could all close our eyes. So if you're one or two categories, you want to respond to Jesus for the first time and say, I want to follow him today. I want to live this kind of life. Or you're in the second category where you'd say, I need to respond to him again because I need to, to restart my relationship with God. If you're in either of those two categories, you can put your hand up and give me a wave because I would love to pray with you. Who would like to do that today? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands, so you can open your eyes. If you would like someone to pray with you more at the end of the service, there's a space down here to do that. Just come on down. Don't miss the opportunity for your breakthrough. 
because it doesn't all change when someone lays hands and stands with you in prayer, but it is the start of change. And so many times in this point of the service, I've gone, yep, I'm going to do that. And then we sing the song and the lights come up and, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. And I'm robbed of my breakthrough. And I don't want you to be robbed of your breakthrough today. So we're going to have a time down here at the end of the service to be, to be prayed for. And I really want to encourage you, the thing that the Holy Spirit has put his finger on today, take action on that. Do it. Because I want to live that free life and I know that you do as well. Sound good? Cool, I'm going to hand back over to Pastor Dave.